formerly incarcerated employees are some of the most loyal people that you could ever hire because their gratitude for that opportunity far surpasses any challenge that may come up uh, while they are employed because they really either need to stick with the job because of their parole or probation, or they want to, they need it because they, this is the only way that they're supporting themselves. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's episode is part two of our season about hiring and retaining employees. Our guest is Catherine Shabelsky, owner of KES HR Consulting. Catherine is a second chance hiring advocate. She consults companies who want to hire incarcerated or formerly incarcerated people. Obviously, the idea of hiring people with criminal records could seem quite risky for a number of reasons. But according to Catherine, second chance hires can thrive in the right work environment and even surpass the performance of employees with no criminal background. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am honored to be with Catherine Shabelsky, second chance hiring advocate. She's the owner of KES HR Consulting in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Welcome. Thank you, Noah. I'm happy to be here. First, why don't you explain second chance hiring and, um, and what you do personally for your work? Sure. So second chance hiring involves giving people a second chance, right? So you are sort of making a commitment as an organization to hire people that maybe you wouldn't normally hire, um, people who have a background um, or who are freshly out of prison or jail. So a second chance hire isn't necessarily somebody who's out of jail. Correct. So a second chance hire could be somebody who has been out of prison for a long time or who is still incarcerated and perhaps is um, involved in a work release program. Oh, interesting. Okay. And most of the time, are you working with the people that have already been released? Yes. Most of the time uh, you're working with people who have a some sort of criminal background could be 20 years ago could be last year. Um, but those are the vast majority of people that I'm working with. Yep. All right. Very interesting. Okay. Now I need the three minute life story. <laughs> three minute life story is I am a human resources professional. I've been a human resources professional my entire career, um, except for a brief stint in there that we won't talk about. Oh, now you totally um, got my interest. <laughs> Come on. 
so I I worked for a temp agency in Monterey, California for a brief amount of time, eight months. And I worked for National Geographic School Publishing for a teeny amount of time doing something completely random. Those both sound kind so. of interesting. Monterey, California. <laughs> I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It was a, it was really cool to work there. But so the rest of my career has been human resources. And I started working with companies who hire formerly incarcerated people and was really struck in my role as a human resources professional at the, the level of not being prepared for work that a lot of these people are. So if they're being recently released from prison, they're not necessarily up to all of the uh, work rules, if you will, and um, what all that entails. And so I was seeing a lot of turnover. So people were, were leaving voluntarily, oftentimes, because they couldn't handle it, uh, being at work, and or uh, they were being fired and disciplined. And so I was struck by that. So you were you were consulting various companies and then they were these companies did have some second chance hires and then you were seeing these issues. Yes, correct. Yep. OK, just before we go any further, what made you want to go into HR? My dad, <laughs> as cliche as that may sound, my dad is a human resources professional and has been for many decades and he got me into it. I was around it as a as a kid. And what a lot of people don't even know that human resources exists as a profession that somebody would choose to do. But I, I knew about it throughout my entire childhood and chose it as a profession because I wanted to make changes within the profession. So I kind of do HR differently. And that's kind of my my thing. How do you do it differently? I'm a lot more people focused. You know, I, think, I thought that that's the definition of human that's resources. That's what it should be. No, that's what it should be. But a lot of the times my fellow HR people are stuck in offices and they don't get out. Either they're not fully supported, so they have to be stuck in offices doing administrative tasks, or they like to be in their offices and don't want to leave them. So early in my career, I started leaving the HR office and actually going out and talking to the people. People in the shop, you mean? Yeah, or people going on the whatever. shop floor, um, getting involved in the manufacturing process, standing with them on the line, you know, talking with them. And when I was working in, you know, white collar office settings, going and actually going to their cubicles, going to their offices and chatting with them and finding out who they are. So I think building uh, relationships that way is really important because as you build rapport, people feel more comfortable coming to you when they're... How does HR differ in a white collar setting versus a blue collar setting? You know, not much. It's really just the work setting. I have to tell you, people are people no matter where. That's what I figured. The same sort of issues come up everywhere. People um, have disagreements everywhere. <laughs> so people have relationships everywhere. So it really, it's, you know, people are people. Interesting. Okay. Let's jump into yeah. <laughs> second chance. So we should talk about, you know, what role you play, et cetera. But first I just want to know why, what are the main reasons to do this now? I mean, I think the obvious reason is that our industry is super hot. Everybody just can't find enough people. 
you know, when you need people, you can't find them. When you don't need them, there's a million of them. That's just the way the world is, unfortunately. So, okay, so there are a lot of people that don't have jobs that are formerly incarcerated. So that's one thing. But still, to me, you know, the first thought would be, quality over quantity, you know, like, is this the right direction you want to go? So give me some data or observations you've made. So some of my observations are that formerly incarcerated employees are some of the most loyal people that you could ever hire because their gratitude for that opportunity far surpasses any challenge that may come up uh, while they are employed because they really either need to stick with the job because of, you know, because of their parole or probation, or they want to, they need it because this is the only way that they're supporting themselves. They're glued to the job in a different sort of way than you would get from somebody who, who doesn't maybe have a criminal background and can go to the next employer down the street. So mm-hmm. you're going to get loyalty. Through the roof loyalty, actually. You'd say the Um, majority of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. From my observations. Yeah. Grateful for the job. Um, So some of the more practical aspects, there are some pretty nice tax breaks that you can get as an organization who hires uh, formerly incarcerated people. Those are the uh, through the work opportunity tax credit, WOTC. So, you know, your finance professionals or HR professionals will can look that up and, and hook you up with what you need to do in order to get that tax break. And then certain federal prisoners are eligible for a, um, a federal bond. There's a federal bonding program for certain people. So they're qualified for that. So there's sort of this added layer of safety there that you as a business could have if you chose to go in that direction. You know, can I just also say that anything (laughs) you are doing a wonderful thing for your community by hiring formerly incarcerated people because you are breaking the cycle of getting back into jail by offering well and good paying jobs. And that means something, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a very purposeful, altruistic thing. Yep. Um, I was looking at some statistics you sent me, you know, and I saw they see in the armed forces, 33% more people enlisted are in the army are likely to reach uh, the rank of sergeant. Do you know any of the the science behind that? Or is it just kind of what you've been saying? It's just they're grateful to be where they're at. I have to tell you, like, <laughs> gratitude is so is so underrated. <laughs> so, you know, and I've I've been I've been a human resources professional through many different aspects of our of our economy, right? So where we cannot find people, to where we have an influx of of people, to where you know we're back we're swinging back this way, where we are racking our brains to try any creative thing to get people in the door and plugged in at your organization, right? Having that mindset of, I need a job. I need this job on a different level. I cannot go in to just any place. If you are labeling yourself as an organization as felon friendly or uh, second chance hiring friendly, you're going to get a whole stream of people in your door who do not have the ability to get in anywhere else. And so you are setting yourself apart as an employer into this whole other realm 
of sort of these elite organizations who have decided to set aside their prejudices about this group of people. So you're, you know, you're getting these people in who gratitude is the underlying factor and it really makes a big difference. Yeah, of course. Um, so do most of the companies that hire second chance workers, do they hire just a few or are some just like, you know, half the workforce is... It depends on the organization. And so one of the things that I um, consult people on is how to sort of create those boundaries for your own organization and ask those questions. Um, so for an organization who is wanting to sort of dip their toe into this topic and figure out if it's right for them or not, some of the questions you should be asking yourself is, how comfortable do I feel with this? How comfortable do, does our workforce feel with, with this entire sort of concept is it going to be well-received? And how do I go about, you know, making it well-received if it's not going to be well-received? And then questions about backgrounds themselves. So what type of background am I willing to hire? And addressing any legal questions as well. So there may be certain types of industries that, that legally cannot hire a certain type of background. So you just want to be uh, cognizant of those things, um, maybe before you jump in. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the challenges are, you know, people just don't have normal life skills, right? I mean, (laughs) yes. So the other thing that I found is that this is just speaking from personal experience, they have a different set of life skills. Right. So it's not normal necessarily, but there's some MacGyver type stuff that you can find with these folks, especially the folks who were incarcerated for greater than two or three years, having to utilize the things that you have available, the small amount of things, items that you have available to you in your It's interesting training. It is. So, um, you know, and I've heard stories of, okay, how do you create weights uh, in order to, to weight lift while you're in your cell? And it's, it's this, you've got trash bags, you've got water. And so you're fashioning these dumbbells that are just with the items that you have. (laughs) So there's innovation there that you wouldn't necessarily consider um, with these folks. So they don't have maybe the normal life skills, but they've got this innovative set of other skills that you can use. No, that that (laughs) makes total sense. And my assumption is it's sort of across the board, um, the various crimes people have committed. What are some of the ones you've dealt with? And what are some of the ones, if you are a prospective employer and looking into this, this maybe this doesn't sound good, but who should one stay away from versus uh, go for? Or do you, is that not even a choice? You don't really get to. Let me answer the first part of your question. I've worked with people, all sorts of backgrounds from murder to sex crimes to petty drug offenses, uh, to white collar financial crimes, the gambit. So I've, I've worked with all sorts of people. Um, as far as what you should steer clear of, that's kind of, it's an individual employer choice. So if you are gung-ho on this entire concept of second chance hiring, I would make a case that you shouldn't necessarily discriminate, if you will, against any type of background or length of background or type of background if you're, if you're all for it. However, you may be more comfortable 
working with people who haven't been incarcerated for a very, very long time. If you're just sort of dipping your toe in because there's something that happens, there's this institutionalization that occurs within the brain of people who have been incarcerated for long periods of time, meaning meaning decades. Decades. Yeah, de- a decade, more than a decade. So the longer that you are in this very, it's a very controlled environment, as you can imagine, there are, you know, there's, there's certain levels of PTSD that can occur and that sort of thing that maybe you want to be aware of as an employer before you're hiring formerly incarcerated people. But again, I would encourage you, if you're all for it and going with a second chance hiring policy to open the doors to all sorts of people. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I'd be afraid of certain people. I'd be afraid of somebody that had a lot of substance abuse history, you know, like that's just not a good recipe. Personally, if I was I mean, I'm all for people having second chances, etc. But I don't know. I, I find it very interesting to hear how many people succeed afterward. And, you know, it's very easy to just assume something. Yes, it is easy to assume something. And, you know, when you start to get to know these folks, too, and get to know the stories of how they even got there in the first place, they touch you. It's touching. (sighs) Widens your eyes to bigger topics as far as what our criminal justice system is is doing and and bigger topics. Okay, so my impression is that... You know, some of this is a criticism of I'm not saying you are personally criticizing our prison system. Some people would. But in a way, it seems like it's showing that maybe there is something that comes out of the prison system or the legal system, because if people weren't put in prison, then they wouldn't feel this urgency to get this job, a legitimate job. You have any thoughts about that? (laughs) It's a much, it is a deep and complex issue. No, sure. (laughs) You know, there are many reasons why people do what they do, especially if we're looking at something like petty drug crimes and our history in the United States of sort of sweeping people up in these petty drug offenses and, and with marijuana specifically, which of course is becoming legal in many parts of our country. So it's so difficult to really pinpoint anything specific. I mean, it, it's a complex issue. There, I have lots of thoughts on it and why people get to where they get. But <laughs> exactly, no, it's it's totally complicated. Why don't you discuss a little bit some of the programs they have in prison? As far as there is some training people provide, correct? Yes. So it depends on your area of the country. There are certain prison systems in our country, including here in Michigan that are seeking to train their inmates so that they have skilled trades for uh, that they are prepared for for their release. So machining uh, is one of those trades that uh, certain prisoners are being trained in in certain states here in the United States, which is great. That is great. Okay, so back to the challenges, you know, it seems like one of the biggest things you have to do is get people on board in the company. It can't just be a top down thing. And that is partly where you come in to advise to. Yeah, so I I come in uh, in a variety of areas. But yes, your number one step is you have to get buy in. So you're you're getting buy in from your leadership team. And you're getting buy-in from your employees to a certain extent. Who's it harder um, to get a buy-in from? I'm thinking the employees, the, the, the co-workers. It really depends. So it depends on who's got prejudices against 
against these folks. So uh, you you may have people who have had very personal experiences, crime of varying kinds, who don't want anything to do with uh, people who have been locked up. They're you know they're they're sort of our our modern day pariahs. They're they're lepers in our communities where people don't even want to touch them or be near them for fear of, I don't know what. Well, imagine if, imagine if somebody in your family was sexually assaulted and then you have, you know, or imagine somebody was killed in a drug deal. These are huge obstacles. There must be a big payoff if you're going to be dealing with these things. I have to tell you on the flip side of that, because there are some areas of my personal life that are touched by the things that you just said, but on the flip side, how many of us have family members who have been in our criminal justice system? How many of our, our of our family members have have been locked up for things that you know we we understand perhaps, or we look at as a you know they've served their time and, and now they need to do something with their lives. And so I kind of look at it from the flip side, too, is that's true. You know, are you going to employ your brother who's been, you know, for example, who's been locked up and and needs a job now? You know, yeah, sure. He's your brother. You've got a company. Maybe. But right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. so say (laughs) somebody say one of our listeners wants to do this, they would call somebody like you or call you and then. What do you do? What's your magic that you perform? Uh, well, besides, besides besides educating people, sure, education is a huge piece of it. Kind of uh, letting them know what what it is that they're getting themselves into before they fully pull the trigger. And for those who are already who already know that they're ready to do this, I provide a couple of different um, resources to make sure that their workplace is up and running and ready to go for for this type of employee so that you're reducing your turnover and you're increasing your engagement of these folks. So making sure that your onboarding process is, is touching on all of the points that you need to in order to get these, in my experience, to get these folks fully onboarded and successful at your company and that sort of thing, addressing prejudices and your leadership team. Okay, so um, what, do you, what do you tell somebody with... Say there's a great candidate and eight or nine out of 10 are on board, but one is not. And one is a very important person on the team. So what do you do? Depends on the company. I mean, so. Okay. So small to medium sized company, somebody in the shop, how would you mediate this? Hit them with logic, hit them with with the why, why, why do you want, why does the company want to be even moving in this direction in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the, what are the, what are the positives of doing something like this? And then making sure that the other person is heard because perhaps they, they've had a traumatic experience in their life that they, you know, don't want to talk about or don't want to get involved with any of these folks. They say they think it's too much of a risk then we do a risk assessment. You know, we, we talk about what are the risks and that leads us to where your boundaries are as a company. We are hiring nonviolent offenders. We are going to, you know, exclusively, we're, we're going to, you know, so you're, you're setting up those boundaries where, where everybody can sort of be comfortable with this stage of hiring. Interesting. Do you 
have any general advice for business owners right now in, you know, the manufacturing field in the trades who are looking for people to hire, whether it be somebody in your specialty or, or anything? What advice do you have for people? Good luck. I know it's hard out there right now. <laughs> I feel you. I hear you. Um, get, start getting creative with with where you're well this is this is the kind of thing this is being creative this is absolutely one of those creative outlets that that works for a lot of people some people it might not work for but it will work for for some absolutely just a couple more questions uh to you what does the word happiness mean oh gosh happiness is a feeling for me i feel it i feel it in my body if you if you hear the word i feel it sort of swell up in me. I can um, tell. Just Yeah. It's like sunshine in my belly. Yep. Just swells right up. <laughs> Interesting. What is uh one thing you learned in the last week about anything? Oh gosh. I'm not really in a heck of a lot of learning mode right now. I'm kind of in doing mode with the with my new baby at home. What did I learn? I've learned that the housing market here in Grand Rapids, Michigan is absolutely insane. Wow. We are looking to to sell a house and the economy is just absolutely crazy. So getting involved in that aspect right now too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else <laughs> that you feel is important to say to the people of the world? I'm passionate about this subject, the subject of second chance hiring. And so I really appreciate you giving me a platform to talk about one of my passions. I think that I would just ask a question to your listeners. Are you going to be the first employer who gives somebody a second chance? Because that's the hard part. It's easy once they've already got other things on their resume that other people have already done that, that hard part of giving them the first chance, the first of their second chances. Um, But are you going to be the first one? Fantastic. You should be good. And if people want to find out more about you, is there a website they can go to or? Yeah, you know, so I, so I have a, I have a website. It's pretty rudimentary at this point. And so I would love to lead people to my LinkedIn profile. It's Catherine Chabelsky. And that's the best way to find out more about me and get in touch with me. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Catherine. This was so interesting and I hope helpful for somebody out there. I hope so too. I can tell that you have a tremendous sense of purpose. You're just oozing purpose and happiness and I do. It's it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it it's just fantastic even just to talk to somebody like that. Well thank you. Thanks Noah. I wanna I wanna be a light in this world. So thank you. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. 
For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 